Woodland Hills Church, that whole kingdom, um, that, that, that kingdom vision of what the kingdom looks like, what it is we're supposed to be doing, what's the purpose of life, where do you find life, that whole, that whole uh, edge on uh, that it's not about religion, it's about relationship, it's about reality, it's about just living in Christ-like love towards all people at all times and all circumstances. Uh, it's not found everywhere. And uh, about six weeks ago, our small group's pastor, Kevin Johnson, came up to me and he said that he had, um, he really was feeling it on his heart that God was calling him to take that vision elsewhere and uh, to get into the broader stream of the kingdom work on the planet. And as it would turn out, uh, the Lord has just recently led him and his wife to accept a position uh, as lead pastor of a church in the Netherlands uh, that, that uh, is it's a very multi-ethnic, multicultural church. It's got 27 different nationalities in this church body, and they've asked him to be uh, the lead pastor there. Kevin has just, over the years, uh, he's been with us about five, six years, I guess, and has just done an outstanding job uh, growing our small groups ministry. I think we've got something like 130 or 140 different small groups and uh, you know, people plugged in, and, and it's still growing. He's just done a fantastic job. And we hate, hate to see him go. But on the other hand, uh, there was, in, in my own spirit, a sense of confirmation about this, that this is what, what uh, he, he was called to do. What I love is that this guy is my age, which means he's old. And a lot of people my age are thinking more about stability and, and you know, you kind of got your pattern in life going and, and you know what's working for you and you just kind of want to ride it out. A lot of people have that mindset. But I love the heart of a man and, and his wonderful wife, Kathy, who, who uh, when God talks, they listen. And they may struggle with that a little bit. We all do. Uh, but they, in the end, obey. And, and it's about swimming upstream. It's about doing the, the extraordinary thing, the non-commonsensical thing, the out-of-the-box thing, the radical thing. The kingdom of God, if we follow it through and live it authentically, it's never really commonsensical. It doesn't fit in with the categories of this world. And I just love a, a, a man who would, who would be willing to, at this point in his life, step out and go to a country. Kevin, where are you? Come on up here. Where are you? Who would go to a country that he's never been to before, but now he's going to pastor church. Brother. This is a good guy. This is a very good man here. He's a good guy. Amen. I think they like you. And uh, I just so much appreciate uh, his heart and his vision for the kingdom. Uh, we're going to be officially commissioning him next week, sending him off. But where he goes, Woodland Hills Church goes, we're going to come around him and send him off as a missionary. And uh, uh, we're expecting to have a real continuity with you guys. I'm going to be going over there, I'm sure. Right. I'm absolutely certain here in the next couple of years and, and doing some things over there. And he may say more about that. He's going to be speaking. Uh, we've asked him to come and, and, and preach here because this is the last sermon he'll be able to give for quite some time probably at Woodland Hills Church. And he's talking about listening to God. How do you hear God's voice? And our prayer is that, dude, you've heard God's voice because this doesn't make any natural sense. Uh, if God's not in this, you're a fruitcake. Uh, but, I, but, I, but I think God's in this, which doesn't prove that you're not a fruitcake, but it, it means you're a godly fruitcake. So. Best introduction I've ever had. <laughs> All right. So uh, just join me in praying for, for Kevin here. Father, I just thank you for this man's heart. I thank you, God, for his sharing the gift that he is and the wisdom that he's got with our church and developing our community ministry here, Lord. Uh, he's just been such a blessing to us. Uh, but Lord, we, we now recognize that your hand's on him to go into a different area. The kingdom is way bigger than Woodland Hills Church, and, 
And so what he does is kingdom stuff. It's what we do. And, and so we just pray a blessing on him and peace on him and joy on him as he walks in obedience uh, to your will. We pray a blessing on his wife and, and, and their children as they go through this, what is a challenging time. Uh, but Lord, right now, as he brings forth the word, I pray, God, you'd give us ears to hear and a mind and a heart to receive what is being said. Amen. Lord God, make us sheep that hear your voice, Lord God, that walk in step with you. And just anoint this man as the word goes forth now to build your kingdom in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Be anointed, brother. Wow. Well, I should tell you a little bit about the mission I'm on. Um, the church we're going to is in The Hague. It's the third largest city in the Netherlands, and the church is called Crossroads International Church of The Hague. It's a cool name, isn't it? Europe is often seen as, and spoken of, written of, as a postmodern, post-Christian, secular continent. And in many ways, it's very true. Um, but there's a movement of churches taking root throughout Western Europe and now into Eastern Europe, and we're going to be a part of one of these churches um, and it's just really exciting. It's part, these churches are all sponsored by an organization that we'll be associated with called Christian Associates International. And uh, the particular church we're going to, as Greg said, is very international, so they do everything in English, which is good, because I know no Dutch. Um, about 50% of um, the people who attend are from a Dutch background and 50% are international people from, as Greg said, 27 different countries, which is just so cool. I mean, it's that sneak preview of heaven that we talk around here about uh, the kingdom of God looking like. Uh, but this church is passionate about saying, you know, God isn't done with Europe yet. It's not the forgotten continent. There are people there who are very lost and need the Lord. And yes, it's a dark place. But the kingdom of light has several beachheads established. And they're just going forward. And we're going over to be a part of making that happen. So as, as I uh, share with you this time, uh, my last time up in this sort of uh, position for a while... Um, I just want to revisit what I think is one of the most central things in all of life, and that is this whole idea of hearing God. And it fits well. I'm going to tell a lot about the journey my family and I have been on as we've been processing all of this. Uh, but yeah, let's just, let's just look again. Uh, when I spoke here uh, the last couple of times, we did this little two-week series on hearing God, and we're going to call today's message, Hearing God Revisited. And uh, let me just pray with you as, as we jump into that. Lord God, may your spirit move here today. We just want you to hover over us and in us and through us and create a sense for us all of longing to encounter you and hear from you in life-changing ways. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read for you a couple of passages from the book of John, just two verses. The first is in John 10, and it's verse 27 where we read, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
That's as straightforward as it gets. I speak and you know what? It's my sheep, they listen. Says our Lord and Savior. And then in John 14, verse 23, I just want to read this for, verse for you as well. If anyone loves me, he will follow my teaching. My Father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. Isn't that incredible? It's not just, I'll tell you when you're, I'll, I'll speak from the heavens when you're doing something wrong. <clears throat> lightning bolt. Or, you know, you can dial the 911 hotline when you're in trouble and I'll bail you out. It's no, it's I'm going to come and make my home with you. That is some good news. These two passages point to an incredible reality. And that is this, one of the greatest truths in all of life. Get a hold of this, people, and don't let it go. Truth number one, God desires to speak with you. God delights to speak with you. He is the Creator, the Lord of the universe. Get a grasp on this if you can. The Creator and Lord of all, the vast universe, wants you to hear His voice. Not just exceptionally, but regularly. In the little things and in the big things. I'm here today asking you to get a lock on that. Not just get a lock on it. Think about it. Let it soak in. Marvel. Say, wow, hallelujah. You mean the Creator of all wants to talk to me? Yes. Now, I know some of you are skeptical about that. You say, how can that be? Or, you know, you, you tell me these things. You know, why? Why would He want to talk to me? And those are good questions. And Scripture gives us a good answer. It's not because you are so uniquely virtuous. Hate to burst that bubble. But it's just not because God has scanned the earth for the most righteous, deserving, wonderful person on whom to bestow His presence and His voice, and you are it. It's not that. Now, actually, a lot of you get tripped up because of that truth. Because you say to yourself, well, yeah, you know, he maybe speaks to some exceptional person, but he doesn't speak to me. Which leads me to truth number two. God's desire to speak with you is rooted in his nature, not your worthiness. God's desire to speak with you intimately, personally, regularly is not based on your earning the right to have that sort of relationship. It's based on His very nature. It's who He is. Scripture speaks of Him as a Father. A loving Father. It speaks of Him as a lover. It speaks of him as a mother hen who gather, who spreads her wings and gathers in her chicks to, to protect them in her nest. It speaks of God as the bridegroom who passionately adores his bride.
God longs to have a personal relationship with you. He has created us for that. He's created us for relationship and He will do anything, including sacrificing His own Son to establish that relationship. It's critical that you understand God sacrificed His Son not just to change your legal status from guilty back to innocent. Now that's a fabulous thing that He did. And we ought to all say hallelujah to that. But He did that so that in so doing, He could reestablish that relationship with you where He could do what He intended all along because it's His nature to do that. Father, Son, Holy Spirit coming, making home with you. That's some good news. God longs to speak with you and me because it is in His very nature to do so. Now we need to just stop right there and have a spiritual Q-tip moment. Take out those Q-tips and just clean out your spiritual ears, would you? I want you to get this. Are you listening? Not to me, are you listening? Are you hearing? It is the greatest truth that I can ponder that the Creator delights to speak with me. And the question for us all, the question for you is, what are you doing to position yourself to do the one thing that's more important than anything else? Or are you positioning yourself in life to conspire against the very thing that's most important? I had somebody say between services after hearing the message first hour, very, very wise comment. He said, you know, this whole idea of positioning ourselves to hear from God, uh, the natural default setting is that we don't, isn't it? I say, yeah. You know, we live in a physical world and there's so many demands on our time and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. We, we, life, if left to its natural course, will conspire against doing the very thing that's more important than anything else. But it matters a lot. It's what will change your life. Don't live a lie. The lie that's out there is this is just all there is. There's stuff. And oh yeah, there's a God in heaven, but He's way up there. Once in a while, He bails me out when I really need Him to. Well, hallelujah that He does that. But He's looking for and expecting more, longing for a lot more than that. My own story, I want to tell you a little bit about that, what God's doing in our family, began to unfold even before I did the little Hearing God series uh, in February and March. And so it was just weird to be talking about hearing God but not telling you all this I'm going to tell you about right now. Um, as I do, I want to weave elements of how God speaks today by noting Three primary voices of God today. Now there are a lot more than three. Don't think, I, I, I don't want to do a limiting thing on God. He can speak any way He chooses. I mean, in, in Scripture He used the donkey's head. So if he, he can speak any way He wants. But there are some primary ways. And I'm going to talk about three today. And wrap them around the story of what God's been doing in my life. 
One of the primary ways God speaks, one of His primary voices today, is His speaking through friends who love God and who love us. He just does that. It's one of His primary voices. So, several months ago, my own covenant group, we meet at my house, it's a great group, Kathy and I love the people in our group dearly, they love us, but group came together at our house, and one of the guys goes, hey, you know, we've been talking, Kev, and you know we love you, and we love what you're doing at Woodland Hills, we've been a part of your ministry, it's going great, there's, there's more to be done, but... We just wonder if maybe at some point God might have something else for you. And would you be open to that? <laughs> That's a fine how do you do when I stop and think about it. Here I am leading the covenant groups movement at Woodland Hills Church and my own group comes and says, hey, take a hike, pal. Well, they, they were making sure that I didn't hear it that way and I, I didn't really. Uh, actually, I know God speaks to me clearly through my friends who love me and love Him. And when they said those words, would you just be open, they were straight from heaven. They were straight from... I just knew that. And it's not that everything they say to me is that way, but I just know that God was speaking to me to change my posture a little bit from closed to open. Now, you guys got to know, I love Woodland Hills. I told Greg, oh, about six months after I joined the staff here, I said, thanks a lot, pal. And he goes, what? You just ruined me ever working in any other church. He goes, what do you mean? This place, I love who we are. I love our DNA. I love our vision. And, and it's so unique. And I hadn't found it in any other church. I'm just like, thanks, buddy. And that was my way of saying I love this place. So, you know, I'm up here once in a while and, and do this. And it's a big church and a bit notorious in probably the good sense of the word. And so, you know, I get calls from people looking for a pastor. And I, you know, just... Wish him luck and say, God bless you. <laughs> and that just was my modus operandi. And now my group, people who love me, had spoken the words of God into my life and said, you just got to be open. And so I changed my posture to openness. And that meant all last summer, these churches were calling and we'd talk. And I'd meet with them. And it was grueling emotionally for me and my family as we pondered all these things and then, so that was my newfound openness. And then when push came to shove, I'd say, nope. And I did that a few times. And it's like, whoa, this is torquing my brain here. Because what's the whole point of changing my posture from closed to open if in the end I just say no anyway? So that created a bit of a crisis for me. And Kathy and I went into a time of, of fasting and prayer. And we, um, we scheduled a day out at the Rockford, Minnesota Youth with a Mission base. They've got a spot out there for people who want to go on a prayer retreat. And so we did. And we went out there to fast and pray and just seek the Lord. And I thought I'd start the day with a little scripture. And you know, it wasn't anything planned. It wasn't anything calculated. Uh, but 
One of the primary ways God speaks is through friends who love him and love me. Uh, another primary voice of God is through scripture. It's just one of the primary ways he speaks to us. And so I opened my Bible again, just thinking, okay, we're going to start the morning with some worship and some prayer time. And, and so I just said, hum, before we do a couple of worship songs, how about if I just open up to the Psalms and read one of them? And it was just literally like that. And here's what I read from Psalm 30. I will exalt you, O God, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. And some of you know my story. A while back, Satan was doing a lot of gloating. Oh, Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. Oh, Lord, you brought me up from the grave, and you spared me from going down to the pit. To you, O oh Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. And you turned my wailing into dancing. Amen. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my, heart, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Now... There's a lot of good scripture, but that one just landed with Kathy and I. We were stunned. We were silent. I just like was thinking, what did I just read? What happened? And we got goosebumps and, and we couldn't say anything. And, and this quiet sense of the Holy Spirit being present with us was in that room. And, and the Lord using just that, that text that I'd probably read a hundred other times to say, you know, Kev, I'm with you. Yeah, I've been some bumps and bruises along the way and some hard knocks, but I have done some great things in your life and you have reason to celebrate and I want you to share that and hey, I'm in this with you. This book is God's love letter to you. I want you to saturate yourself with it if you would hunger to hear from God. But that still left me with an openness that on the back end of it, I kept saying no, and I had to figure that out. So Kathy and I went into an extended time of fasting and prayer, and God spoke to me in a third primary voice that he uses in our lives. God communicated to me just from within in what we call that still small voice. For me, it's never an audible thing. Those who talk about it being an audible thing, I always wonder, you know, how does that work? Like if I were sitting next to you, would I hear it too? And all that kind of thing. But, you know, I do know this. I have clearly learned to distinguish between my own supposed cleverness and the thought that God puts into my mind or my soul, however you want to unpack that. God clearly speaks to me and you in a still, small voice. And it was like I heard him say, Kev, would you be open to something in the wider river of what I'm doing in this world? And I said, huh? <laughs> and he said, would you be open to Jumping into the wider river of what I'm doing. 
said yes. I ran that by Kathy that night as we were going to bed. She said, oh, yeah, that's good. The next day I was doing a lot more praying and it was as though the father said, well, what if it was international? And I said, maybe. <laughs> Kathy and I had considered international missions back, oh, she had considered it, we both had before we got married. Uh, while we were in seminary, we, we were up to our eyeballs and, and weighing heavily doing something like that. And I've always had a heart for that. But this wider river, huh? That kind of stuck in my soul. And I decided to change my posture a little more and do some poking around. Never done that before. And so I did a little poking around the very next day I got on the internet. Do a little, just some snooping. And the very first thing I found was the website of Crossroads International Church of the Hague. And right there on their home page, right in the middle, was this box that said, we're searching for a new pastor. Click here if you're interested. <laughs> so they, I clicked, and they had like 15 pages of stuff. And the first thing was their vision. Now, I'm kind of picky when it comes to church. We've already established that. My biggest fear in being in ministry is that I'd wake up one day and realize I'm with a leading a bunch of people and just playing church. That haunts me. Their vision. And my hair stood up on my arms. And then, most churches don't even use this language. I've already used it today. They, they spoke about their DNA. Not just what they want to do in winning Europe for Christ, but who they want to be in doing that. And oh, it's getting more excited. And then they talked about the kingdom of God, and it was the way they talked about it. It's like we talk about it here. And then they had several pages on what they're looking for in a new lead pastor. And my heart was racing. It just seemed like a pretty tight fit. So I called Kathy into the room. I said, "Hun, you got to look at this website. And she said, what's that? I said, oh, it's just this place called Crossroads International Church of the Hague. And I, she said, well, what are you doing there? And I said, well, they got a lead pastor thing. What do you think? This might be the wider river. And she said, I didn't mean that wider river. I said, please, honey, just, will you read this? Just, not, not right now, but sometime today, go on here and read these, like, 15 pages, would you? And she did, and she came to me that night, and she said, you know, you don't have a lot of international experience, but everything else kind of fits with what you're looking for and how God's wired you and what you dream about and your passions. And yes, they have an awesome, awesome vision. And then she even said this. She said, Kev, this hadn't even occurred to me. She said, Kev, for the, you've been talking to me about how God wants to stretch your faith. How you believe God is saying he wants to grow your gift of faith. And I think this would do that. And she said, but I read the whole thing. And I see that they're searching all of the United Kingdom, all of continental Europe, and all of the U.S. for their next lead pastor. So if they pick you, I'll figure God's in it. (laughs) 
Yep. <laughs> so what followed for us was this long process. It's been months. And each step of the way, we have just laid before God this whole idea of doing something so crazy. Like Greg said, if God isn't in this, I'm nuts. And asking him to lead. And as, as every hurdle was cleared, uh, boy, I started getting really excited. And Kathy started shaking in her boots. And we did a little, she got a little excited. And I did a little shaking in our boots. Uh, we flew over there the end of May. And uh, as we did that, we had a clear lock Kathy had. And she shared them with me. So we had them together. Three things. This church... This young church is trying to do this radical thing of making an impact to secular, postmodern, post-Christian Europeans. They really got to love us. Because we're, we're, this is a leap for us. And this church is going to have to just envelop me and my wife and my kids in love. Second thing was, we, uh, our daughters are a little bit older, college age, but Kenny's just, just 12 years old, and we had to have some sign from the Lord that he was going to be in a situation where he could thrive. And the third thing was, we've got to have a four-bedroom house because you guys got to come visit. <laughs> now, that maybe seems like a little more of a carnal one, but, you know, what? That, that was it. We needed those three things. And after spending five days with them and checking out a lot of other stuff, we got on the airplane to fly back to Minneapolis-St. Paul, and we looked at each other and said, wow, we're three for three, aren't we? And I started thinking, oh boy, we're going to go. A couple of days later, Kathy came to me and she said, Kev, I heard from the Lord today in my prayer time this morning. And I'm thinking, yes. And she says, I got eight more things. <laughs> and I was just about to pull out the old, uh, I think it's Judges 6, where Gideon was laying that fleece before the Lord, you know, and the wool, one day it was wet, the ground was dry, and the next day the opposite happened. But that was only two times, and it wasn't a very spiritual thing for him to do. He just didn't have any faith. And, but before I could pull out that whole line of reasoning, I'm glad I didn't get to it. Kathy says, but hear me out. This isn't a fleece thing. She says, it's just, this is, let me tell you about the time that I had with the Lord this morning. I, I went before him and said, God, how can I do this? And God said, well, what do you need? And I, she said, I need this. And he said, okay, anything else? She said, yeah, I need this. He said, okay, anything else? Anything else? Tell me some more. What do you need? Okay. And when she and God were done that morning, the list had gone from 3 to 11. But you know what? That's a beautiful thing. I'm an adventure seeker. Best way to say I love you to Kevin Johnson is when I come up with some harebrained idea, tell me to go for it. That speaks I love you to me more than anything else. 
But you know what? I've learned something about myself. The last thing I want to do at 48 years old is drag my family over to Europe just for some adventure-seeking wanderlust thing. That just isn't right. I don't want to do that. And so I really, we need to hear from God here. And so now we've got these eight new things. And I think God just knew that we needed assurance that He was in this. And it wasn't just about a family following their fool of a husband father. So it was about a week later that we revisited that list. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. And I went out shopping for clogs. Yeah, wooden shoes. They're not all fully done yet, but we see God moving in all of them. We still got a big piece. We've got this financial gap. Um, and, and we're trusting the Lord to fill that. And Woodland Hills is going to be a part of that for that. I'm just so blessed. And we, we still got a little bit more of a gap. And if the Lord leads some of you in your listening to say, hey, step into that gap, that'd be great. Talk to me after the service or next week. Uh, we've got some other things that we see the Lord beginning to, to just close up those spots and say, hey, this is what I want you to do. So it was early June when the church called and said, hey, we've been praying as an elder board and as a church and we think you're the one God wants to come and, and lead us in the next phase of our young life. Would you do that? I couldn't give an immediate answer. I said, would you grant my wife and I some time to go into another extended period of prayer and some fasting. And um, they said, yeah, we bless you for that. We want you to know too. That sounds good to us. And so we did. Christy, my 18-year-old daughter, uh, left for a mission trip with the youth ministry to Mexico the day before Crossroads in The Hague called us and offered us the job or gave us the call. However, you want to talk about that? Well, when she came back eight days later, we still hadn't made up our minds. It was a Wednesday night, and Kathy was work. She works in the children's ministry. They work on Wednesday night, so she was here. So I picked up Christy at the airport and some of the others, and and she was. We were in our minivan, and I was driving, and she was on the bench behind me. And I said, "Christy, um, Crossroads called the day after you left," and she goes, "They did." Now Christy's got some pretty cool spiritual antennas, and and. She said, they called the day after I left. And I said, yes. And she said, well, you've said yes by now, haven't you? And I said, well, no. And all of a sudden, whack, right across the back of my head. She says, Dad, what is the matter with you? If you and Mom can't sense God moving in this, you guys can't sense anything. You call him right now. And I did the mature father thing and said, well, I'm ready to go. It's your mom that's having a problem. <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad, was it, Christy? I, what I really said was, you know, I think we're going to do it, and I'm, I'm kind of ready to say yes, and mom's got a couple things left that she's still praying about. Christy says, drive me over to church right now. <laughs> we did! We 
did. She went right in mom's office, Kathy's office, and she's like, Mom, you, come on, you got to do this. She woke, Christy went to bed exhausted from her mission trip. She woke up at 8 in the morning, which is extremely early for an 18-year-old. And she sat on the couch right before I went to work the next day, and she rubbed her eyes, and she goes, You better have called them by now. So just, just a couple of, of weeks ago now, with just shy of handwriting on the wall, we took a leap of faith and we called the church over in Holland and said, we're going to come and we're going to run the race with you. <clears throat> Thanks. So it was over a year ago that I heard God saying, Kev, I want to stretch your faith. I want, there's a gift of faith in you and I want to grow that. It was a, months ago that my small group came to me and said, Kev, we love you so much. We just got to, we're sensing you need to be open. And God has spoken to me through them. He's spoken through this book. He's spoken through that still small voice when he called me to consider jumping into the wider river of what he's doing in this world. And people, all I'm trying to do is say yes. I feel very much like the person Greg spoke about two weeks ago. You, come on. I'm just nobody from Nowhereville. But I'm born again and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's all that matters. And I am really pumped, people. I'm, I, I am scared, but I am really pumped because God is all over this. And if Jesus says, hey, if you want to walk on water, get out of the boat, then I'm going to get out of the boat. And yeah, this is a big thing. And yeah, it's a difficult thing. Probably the toughest decision we have ever made in our 24 years of marriage. But I'm expecting God to do great things and I'm expecting you to experience the joy of being a part of that. You know what? I'm taking you with me. It's inevitable because I, you've worked your way into who I am and, and what, how I see the kingdom of God and how this all works and what my call is and what my family's going to be doing there and what the church is going to be doing there. It's going to be an extension of, of Woodland Hills. and for, That's cool, isn't it? You're going to be a part of that in other ways as well. I, I desperately, we need your prayers. We are going. Some of you, those of you who have been to the Netherlands know, we are going to a dark place spiritually. It's tough. There is, I feel oppression in parts of, of the Netherlands like I've never felt anywhere else in, in the places I've traveled. I need your prayer support. My family does. Uh, there'll be an opportunity. I've got these little deals out by the, the community kiosk, the small groups kiosk. Um, it's a little deal about what we're doing, and there's a spot in there to sign up to be on a part of our prayer team. You tear that off and leave that with us. I'll be back there after the, the service. Uh, we need you to be a part of our team. We, you're going to be a part of this. Um, if some of you help out financially, the church is already going to do that, and that's awesome. If some of you are going to help us close that gap, that's great. We're going to have a missions trip in about a year. Some of you are going to come on that, and that's going to be awesome. Don't think it's going to be fundraiser way to pay for a vacation to Europe, because I'm going to work your tail off. 
but we're going to get over there and we're going to be in the bars and we're going to be in the coffee shops and the pubs and, and those courtyard cafes and we're just going to sit down with people and say, you know, I hear this, this, that, that Europe is kind of in a spot where they're just kind of thinking God, he's just, not he's just irrelevant now and church certainly is irrelevant. What would it take for you to change your thinking on that? What are you thinking about that? What would impress you? How, what, what would you think about how we do this whole God thing differently to, to get you to just reconsider for, for a few minutes here that, wow, this might have something to it. That's not like fun. Come on, next year. So, hey, we're leaving. It's very difficult for us to do that. We're going to miss you incredibly. I'll be around till about the 1st of September. And then, Lord willing, if we can get our house rented, it's another. That's, that's like number one prayer request right now is to rent our house. If you know anyone who's looking... Come talk to me because we got to get that thing rented so we can get out of here about the 1st of September. Um, if you don't know anyone, just pray for us about that. That's our biggie. Um, I am excited to follow a God who leads. Now let me get back to some preaching and I'll just close with a couple of things. Position yourself to hear from God. Would you do that? It is so critical. It's just critical. It is the key to living the life God intends for you to live. Which is better than anything you can come up with. To do that, you need to do three things. You need to saturate yourself with Scripture. You need to surround yourself with friends who will help you listen. If you're not in redemptive community, get into redemptive community. If you can't get into redemptive community because we don't have enough spots for you, start your own redemptive community. It's not that hard. The Holy Spirit is there moving. Make it happen. We'll help you. And three, create some space for God's still small voice. You're not going to hear it if you don't ever create the space in your life to hear it. God speaks. The key to life as it is meant to be lived is learning to listen and follow. It is His nature to speak with you. In big ways, I've shared a lot about a very big way. Hey, don't fear this listening to God thing. He's not going to ask all of you to move to the Netherlands. Some ways... And sometimes those little things are even more important than the big things. Let me give you an example. Uh, Andy and Tennille Bunger just got on a plane a week and a half ago and moved to Perth, Australia. Andy and Tennille have been a part of our church for years. They're awesome. Young couple. Tennille most recently was on staff with, with my team for the past six months in a temporary coordinator position. When Tyler from my team mentioned that he was going to meet them on a Tuesday morning at his house to take them to the airport for their big flight and move. Um, I said, what time? He said, 10.30. God just said to me in that moment, take your team, go over there and say goodbye to Andy and Tennille. You know what? That was so easy. We hopped in the car at 10.20, blasted over to Tyler's. He only lives a few miles from here. And if you could have seen the look on Andy and Tennille's face when, he, when they saw us pull up in a separate car, just to get out, give them a hug, tell them I love them, whisper a little blessing prayer in their ear and have the rest of our team do that. That was 
was so simple. But God's still small voice said, do that. And we did that little thing. I got to tell you, last three weeks of my ministry here at the church, that was easily the most holy thing I have done. Sometimes it's really big things. Sometimes it's just little things. I play hockey with a group of guys on Thursdays uh, over in Bloomington. And most, some, there's a few guys from Woodland Hills. Most of the guys are a bunch of carnal, secular hockey players, you know, from over on the other side of town. One guy had a heart attack um, a, a, a while ago and was, was unable to play for a long time, but he made this great recovery. And we were all cruising around on the rink warming up before we started our little hockey game. And out stops onto the rink this oldest guy who plays hockey with us who had had this heart attack, Larry. And it just had this little idea that I'm pretty sure was God's. I dropped my stick, dropped my gloves, and just started applauding. And the other 15 guys on the rink figured out what I was doing and all joined me in that. And Larry's one of the only guys smart enough to wear a face mask you know, over on his equipment. And as he cruised around that rink and all those guys were giving him the standing ovation, you could see that, I don't know that he's had anything like that move him so much in in a long, long time, Mr. Larry. That's the joy of listening to the Lord. It might be a really big thing. It might be just a little thing. But when you're dialed in, oh man, life is an adventure and it's fun. Okay, I'm going to close with this. Since I spoke the last two sermons on hearing God, many of you have come to me and said, man, it's not working for me. Hey, I'm having trouble here. I'm not hearing this. There's a problem in my life right now, and I'm not hearing what I want to hear, what's going on. And, and as I listened to several of you and met with you, I noticed this common thread, and this is critical. The common thread is this. Often people try to hear God only when they're desperate. And God honors you and delights to meet you in your point of desperation. Don't get me wrong there. He comes to you in those times. But you yourself will never learn to hear the voice of God if you only come to Him in those times of emergency, crisis, trouble, I need help. Here's what's pivotal. Pivotal for Kathy and me in this whole adventure we've been on. And with this I close. Communion with God is the context for communicating with God. And by communion, I don't just mean partaking in the Lord's Supper, although that's wonderful and is a part of communion with God. By communion, I mean sharing life with. I mean doing life together. I mean Allowing Him to come in, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and set up home with you. Where you're sharing life. That sort of relationship with God is the context for communicating with Him. And there's a couple of reasons why that's so. Three, actually. The first is that it shapes your heart. You know what? It's as you commune with God that your heart begins to be shaped into the heart of Jesus and your heart begins to beat for the things that his heart beats for. And when your heart is beating for the things that God heart, God's heart is beating for, you hear him a lot more clearly. 
Second thing it does is it informs your will. I mentioned earlier that when we made the decision to move to Holland for a while, God had stopped just short of his handwriting on the wall. You know why he did that? Because he wants us to have the opportunity to conform our will to his. And so he gave us the option to choose to follow. Let me tell you, handwriting on the wall would have been a lot easier. It could have been done six months ago. <laughs> the third thing it does, communion with God, it tunes your spiritual ears. I just don't know how else to say it. It, it, it is your spiritual Q-tips. Jesus invites us through his scriptures to taste and see that the Lord is good. Linger there, dwell there, dine with him, feast on him, taste and see. Communion with God is the context for communicating with God. If it were not for the intimate communion that Kathy and I experience with our Lord and Savior, I don't think we ever could have heard this. He is speaking. It's in his nature to do so. Will we listen? As I close in prayer, I'm going to invite the altar team to come forward. And they will be up here after my message. If anyone has any needs that they want to come forward for prayer, I invite you to do that. If you want to come forward and just talk about how do I even get started in this life with God, come on up and they'll talk to you about that. Can I just bless you with a closing prayer? I want you all to stand. Lord, my heart is full. It is so good to worship with these people and seek your face and share your words. And I pray again that your spirit would brood over this place and every person in it right now. And that each one would hear you say, it's true. It's really true. I delight to speak with you. And then Lord, help us position our lives so we can hear to the best of our ability. Don't let us settle for anything short of your best. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you, you guys. We love you.